there's a pencil that keeps on appearing on this, and I move it to here, and I know who stands here. And he put it back on here. I moved that pencil last night. I don't use a pencil when I'm, maybe I should. Should I use a pencil when I'm preaching? Hey, everybody. It is so wonderful to see uh, new faces back in here, but same faces that we've always known. But it's just great to gather together. Uh, this, is, this is a lot of fun to be able to, to gather in this way. I uh, need to welcome a newlywed couple who's here. John and Victoria Kurtz are here. We're celebrating with those guys who had one of the most unique wedding experiences known to man. But we're, we're uh, excited for you guys, thankful that you are here as a, a newlywed couple. If you would please open to Psalm chapter 143. Psalm 143. The Lord's kind of put together a little mini-series of sorts uh, that it's just in the Psalms uh, as we are living life. As I said last week, it's, it's nice to stay within the Psalms and just kind of roam around and, and have the experience of the psalmist that we so closely identify with help us through the season of life that we find ourselves in, no matter what the, the context that, that uh, is in addition to all that we're living through during this very weird season that we've known. And, and everybody, the conversation this week is talking about new normals and uh, the hesitation with even planning ahead. You know, there's uh, a reality that Scripture comes more alive as we live life. And when James says, be careful about saying tomorrow we'll do this and tomorrow we'll do that, because we don't know. And we know that now, right? He says, no, if the Lord wills. Say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or go there or experience that. We feel, we feel the Scriptures walking through this. So let's... Uh, have the, the, the word of the Lord capture us in Psalm 143, a psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you. Like in a parched land, Selah. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are, a, you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. 
for I am your servant. Lord, we ask that our study of your word and our putting ourselves before you would bear life and the good spirit that you've given us would lead us and guide us for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we all know the experience and the frustration of putting bread in a toaster. You press it down and you walk away only to come back and still find your bread. It's not toast. And you wonder, why isn't this working? Why, why isn't the toaster working? And you know, we will usually say the toaster's broken before we ask and check if it's plugged in. You know when you call tech support, their first question, you know why it's their first question? Is the device turned on? Is it plugged in? You know why they ask that? Because too often they have to say, turn it on, plug it in, and it'll work. You know like the signs at the gas station that tell you not to smoke? You know why that is? Because somebody got out of their car with a cigarette years ago and exploded everything. So we have to put signs everywhere. But when we think about, think about our lives and our experience with the Holy Spirit, today is Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church. If there, there are two events, well, three. There are three events that I would love to relive from Scripture or have been there. One is the Red Sea crossing. I would absolutely love to see walls of water on either side and trust God to go through because that's a trust. That's a, that's a walk of faith that people of God are saying because the, they're, they're trusting God's going to keep those walls up and then I come crashing down on them. The second would be Elijah when he poured water on the altar and, and the sacrifices, God showed up in fire. Everything goes God's on the scene. He is there. The third element that I would have loved to experience was that day in the upper room when the mighty rushing wind came through and tongues as a fire rested upon all of the disciples, the 120 in that upper room. I would love to have experienced that. That is, that's, those are cool things for me. And, and we remember, because it was the day of Pentecost, and from that point, the church went out and has continued going out to the ends of the earth for the glory of God. Now, in our lives, I think we have a particular struggle in living by and for and in the power of the Holy Spirit, because I think oftentimes we feel like the toaster that's not plugged in. We're pressing all the right buttons. We have everything prepared, and we're pressing those buttons only to feel like God's not coming through. Now, what we will typically do in our own lives is point like something's broken in me, probably. Something's broken in God, because obviously, we have all the ingredients there. We're pressing buttons, and nothing's happening, so we think everything's broken. Rather than, are we plugged in? So today, I hope this can be a moment for us that we would be able to say, God, am I really continually plugged in with you? Am I plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit? Remember the promise that Ezekiel 36 gives us. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Remember Jesus telling the disciples before he ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8, he's telling them of what's getting ready to happen at Pentecost, though they didn't realize it was going to be that soon. I think it was just 10 days later. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The promise of the Holy Spirit was first for the experience of God. Remember, as Jesus told his disciples uh, on the night that he would be betrayed and go to the cross for them and for us, he's telling them, I'm sending, I'm going to the Father, but he's going to send, I'm sending a comforter to you. I'm sending my spirit to you. So you will abide in my love. You will obey my rules like Ezekiel prophesied. You'll obey those rules and it will keep you and guard your heart so you continue to experience my presence with you over and over and over again. And I will welcome you into my love. We looked at that Last week with Psalm 27, I will welcome you into the experience that I have of God being God. So Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit first for our experience, but he also gives us the Spirit so our experience will then fuel our mission. We experience the love of God in order to shine with his love to a lost and dying world. The people that we interact with, the family members that we interact with, all the time. We are welcomed into the presence of God forever and then empowered to carry his light to the ends of the earth. The power we have by the Holy Spirit is not just a 120 volt wall socket. I think too often we live like it is. Like when we need God, we'll just plug into him, but we don't really feel the power that Jesus talked about. Do you know the original word for that for power that Jesus said is dunamis. You know what we, the word that we translate from that? Dynamite. So think about this. If we are genuinely saved, if we have the Holy Spirit by the promise of our salvation, we trust Christ for salvation. God, I need you. I repent of my sins. I trust Jesus' uh, death for me as my substitute and now his resurrection life can come into me. Catch this. This is the power that we have in Christ. If the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, then the same Spirit that went out from the mouth of God when he said, let there be light, same Spirit, same power lives inside of us. But yet, when our lives don't go like we want them to, we act like God is broken. God, I put all the ingredients together. Why aren't you showing up? I'm reading my Bible. I'm not feeling anything. I'm trying to pray. God, everything is still a wreck. So we say, it must be broken. It's not broken. We don't recognize the power. And we don't recognize that power that is to be with us forever. You know, this is a power that the angels don't have. Because God doesn't indwell the angels. He's not inside of the angels. The Old Testament believers, David himself, David didn't have this power. He's saying, can you just have your spirit with me? 
Can I, can I have your spirit with me to lead me and to guide me? David would look at us and say, are you kidding me? You have the spirit inside of you, yet you still complain that God's not there? We don't know what we have sometimes. I remember back in college uh, at LSU, I took a microbiology class that I should not have taken uh, because it was very hard. And it, it was half lecture, half lab. We were in the lab, and we're just, we have all these uh, Petri dishes, and we have this inoculating loop, and we go dip it into this test tube. I don't know what's in there. I mean, this guy's saying these Latin words that I have no idea, and he's saying with an Indian dialect, because he was from the country, India, and so I'm trying to discern what he's saying and while trying to get a B, and I just try to make a B. Get your little inoculating, do it like this, cover it, put it in the, whatever the incubator thing was called that it had to grow in, come back, and then it was not two years later that I realized we had dipped our inoculating loop into a test tube of Staphylococcus aureus what we know as staph infection. I had no face mask. I had no gloves on. They didn't tell us to. And I'm just coloring on the Petri dish. See what happens a few days later when we come. I had no idea what I had. I had no idea of the power of that little thing that I had. Church, I think too often, Part of our struggle in the Christian life is because we don't realize the power that we have. And we're going to look at it in a second. I think we give away that power to other things way too often without even sometimes realizing that we're giving that power away. Totally gone off my notes and I have no idea where to pick it back up. Today, I believe the Lord will help us by the power of His Spirit to see how we drift and to bring us back in his grace, his mercy, his kindness, he brings us back to himself. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But I do think that repentance is required for us to really be saying, God, I, I don't want to contend with you in my frustrations. I want to submit to you to experience your power. And I think we will be encouraged to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. All the time. Here's our, our big, easy concept for us to consider today. God has given us his spirit, so we will live by the power of his spirit. It looks very simple to say and read, but that's our struggle, isn't it? When we feel ourselves, I'm feeling like I'm drifting from God. I don't know why. I'm living by my own strength, not living by the spirit's strength. Hopefully, the Lord will give us understanding for how to, how to remain with him being filled uh, with his spirit. This psalm we're allowing to frame our approach. I, I just I was asked the Lord and found this one, wanted a, a psalm of the Old Testament that spoke of the Holy Spirit. And so when David says, let your good spirit lead me on level ground, one, he's talking about a faint spirit. And I think that's our struggle. We oftentimes are more in touch with a faint spirit than his good spirit that's empowering us and leading us. You know, and like I said a little while ago, David wasn't plugged in like we are. You know, he had the Holy Spirit for moments in time to accomplish a great mission. The Spirit came upon him to defeat Goliath. This is that same guy. The guy who defeated Goliath is still, is, he's still asking for, for the Holy Spirit to be with him as he goes. 
because it was episodic. It didn't rest on him. It wasn't in him. And now the Spirit is in every believer. He's asking for what we have. And we have what the prophets longed to look at and see and experience. So just two points. One is just evidences of a faint spirit, and then we'll look at what it means uh, from this psalm. Because I think this psalm is, as so many psalms of David, David, they are uh, they're lessons on how to be filled with the Spirit, lessons on what to do to be filled with the Spirit. Now, when we think about a faint spirit, when we're not plugged into the Spirit, uh, going to Him continually for nourishment and sustenance, we will have a faint spirit when opposition happens, when spiritual attack occurs, when just living in a, in a broken body. We have faint spirits, and that's, it becomes part of the battle. And David's got a faint spirit as a result of physical battle as well as spiritual battles that are going on. And as we looked at in the past uh, few weeks, our spiritual struggles expose really what we trust in, what we're looking toward, what we're, look, what we're trusting in, is what we're asking God to empower us with. Or we're looking for power to be able to live by. Uh, And God is wise to use his methods to capture our hearts. And sometimes, sometimes God, he's patient with us, but he also is a good father because he realizes when we will contend with him, he'll say, that's your idea? All right, go. Let's see, how that, let's see how that does for you. You think you have the wisdom in this situation? Use your wisdom, and let's see what happens. And we've all been in that situation. We recognize, God, I knew what to do, and I didn't do it, and I should have done it, and now I have to pick up pieces because now things are not going well. Uh, but sometimes God will let us go with our ideas only to see how futile they are. You know, when our hearts wander off course, We stray from the well of the Spirit of God. Remember Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. He says, if you uh, asked me for a drink, I would give you something that would never, ever go away. I would give you water that would then become in you uh, living wellsprings. It would would spring up to life. And then he stands uh, to everybody and he says, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of him will flow rivers of living water. Ezekiel's saying that that God's going to sprinkle clean water on you. We see in Scripture that water represents the the power and the activity and the hovering of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but also through God's people to accomplish his mission, because God wants us to experience something, so we live it out. It becomes a light for other people to look at and, and see God's wonder and glory and love in. Now, we, we feel barren, but we confusing creatures. We will wander from the well of God and the Spirit, and then we'll act as if it's God's fault that He didn't keep us close to the well. But when we go to that well, here's what happens. The well just doesn't come up. You have to go to the well. You've got to sink your bucket down. Like, let's, see, let's get something out of there. Let's get something, let's get some living water out of there that we can drink. Now, we don't do that to a physical well. That well is inside of us. But here, I think the picture still stands. We have to go to the Spirit, even if the Spirit is in us. We have to go to Him to be nourished and sustained by His living waters. 
And we go to him, look at, through the scriptures and prayer and worship. That's how we go to him. He's given us the means of grace to experience him. But I, I want us to have this picture. I had this picture as I was praying this week and thinking about this and just asking, I, I need this renewal, y'all. I, I want to live by the power of the Spirit. And so often I feel myself depending on my own wisdom rather than God's wisdom or my own experience from the past rather than what God can do. It bites me every time. Where I struggle with faith that God will come through because of my past experience or seeing the experience of others. And I, I'm not living by faith. I'm not going to that well. I might be standing next to it, but I'm not putting any bucket down in there. And God gave me this picture that it look over that well and see down there not just water that's sitting, but you know, you know there, there are rivers that run under land, subterranean rivers. Think about looking at that well and not just seeing water, but seeing it's a hole that peers through to a raging river that's flowing. That's what God's welcoming us into. Come dip your bucket in that river and drink of my spirit and be carried away in it. But too often we want things to be manageable for us rather than say, God, do whatever. We really don't mean that when we say it because that also looks like, God, prove me and try me. See if there's any wicked way in me and get it out. We don't want that part. We just want the blessing part. But God says, I got to remove what's getting in the way of the blessing. I got to remove it all the time. But it's a good removal. It's a, a fatherly care for us that says, I've got to get what's, what keeps on tripping you up. I've got to get it out of the way. I've got to get the traps out of your path. The traps that we oftentimes uh, know are there, but don't do anything about but God uses that barrenness that we have to bring us back to his wellspring of life and bring us back to that raging river, the raging river of the Spirit that's, that's under the well but with the well. It's just three captions that kind of describe what, what happens when we uh, result with a faint spirit. We first experience a distance. Now, the crazy thing is, is that we don't feel the distance yet. We experience a distance, but in our own mentality, we think that life is still okay and we're still cool with God and God's still cool with us and so everything should be all right. But in our hearts, we might be rebelling against God, just a blatant refusal to obey Him, knowing exactly what He wants us to do, but we don't do it. Our personal sin creates a distance, but we don't feel the distance yet. It's a distance of the rebellion in our hearts and just saying, God, I'm just going to do it my way for right now. And that rebellion also is felt with a resistance. We experience a distance from God when we resist the leading of His Spirit by possibly avoiding conflict rather than speaking humbly through it. When we uh, don't want to have hard conversations that will really bring God's mind and God's love on situations that, that we, we don't want to do the deep soul work to free us from spiritual strongholds in our lives. 
All of those are uncomfortable, but listen, when we resist those things, God, I know you want me to do that, I don't want to do it, we are creating a distance between ourselves and God. We don't feel it quite yet because we think that everything's okay, but when we have a distance from God, our direction will get off track. And our direction, our response to us feeling like we're going uh, in a different direction is that we'll manage things, we'll clamp down on what we think we can control. So we'll clamp down on our relationship with God. I can control my relationship with God through formalism and, and performance. God, I'm, I'm doing all the right things. I'm reading the Bible and I'm praying and I'm listening to worship music. I'm doing all that stuff. So God, this direction, I'm still going the right direction, right? But all we're doing is going through the motions of Christianity, which is void of any type of compelling mission for why we're even on this earth. But our pursuit of God uh, just reduces into some checklist where we're just checking off boxes. And then when we check off boxes, we think, oh, I, I'm, we end up depending upon ourselves more than we depend upon the Lord. So we, we have a self-reliance, trusting more in our experiences and our mindset rather than in God's supernatural wisdom and God's miraculous power to bring life to dead things. That's his power. Our self-reliance is also, it also shows up when we're just too certain of things. We all slip into that. No, I know what's going on. We're, we're too certain. No, that's, we got to be careful, hesitate. We don't have all the answers all the time. And then in this misdirection thing or, or, or uh, wandering direction is what it becomes because we're not centered on who God is at the wellspring of the Spirit. We then are angry toward God because He's not responding to us. He doesn't give us what we think we deserve because we have this weird entitlement thing. Or He's not giving other people what we think they deserve. God should judge them or God should come against them because they're getting away with something. And in this, this wandering direction, we are defensive and unnecessarily defensive of our actions, unnecessarily defensive of our motivations. See, look, when we, we don't feel the distance yet, see, now we have a frustration, and that frustration then leads us to recognize, oh, we are disconnected from the Lord. And being disconnected from the Lord shows up in just having a lack of compassion for others. We're unloving, unkind. We're ungrateful faithless, more in touch with a pessimism rather than God's providence, his good will that he wants to accomplish. And a faithlessness also shows up in a morbid introspection of our lives. We just, we start sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into ourselves, thinking and there's just got to be, something's broken, so I've got to try to fix what's broken. And this disconnect, the fear of man elevates. Uh, people are way bigger in our worlds than God is. People's actions toward us are bigger than God's uh, sacrificial death of his son. People's words are matter more to us than God's well done, good and faithful servants. And now we finally feel the distance. God, where are you? I'm doing all this stuff. God, where are you? We, and then we might feel that we're just, we're too far from God. He's too far from us. When we're disconnected, we, we also focus on an outcome rather than the process that God wants us to walk through. So we will, in this 
week. We've had a distance from God, just lack of pursuit or rebellion. And then we feel our, our directionlessness, trying to figure out where God is, and then we are disconnected from Him, and then we want God to fix it really fast. All right, God, fix it without recognizing, hold on a second, it didn't take you a day to get there. It's not going to take a day to get back. Now, it will be quicker to get back to the Lord than it did to drift from Him. Praise God. You know, whenever, however far we think from, we are from Him, we are one turn. You know what that turn is? Repentance turning 180 degrees and walking in the other direction. That's where we are. We think that God's way far away because we've drifted. No, he's been with us the whole time. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. Experience my love. You think you know what's best for you. I know it's, trust me, I know what's best for you. But all we are is one turn. He's right there. But we can't, we can't just look for an outcome to things rather than understand how God brings us through a process to experience his love. In our, our disconnect, we, we need to be careful not to be presumptive of God, assuming he'll just bail us out of every circumstance rather than investing in our relationship with him. He says sometimes he leaves consequences in order for us to recognize that our relationship with him is more important than our experience of comfort and peace, uh, comfort and, and temporal peace around us. But a big thing that happens, this has been on my heart just for us as a church, the disconnect also occurs when we cede authority, C-E-D-E. Cede, we give authority that God has over us to other things. We will give uh, God's authority and place ourselves, what we do is we place ourselves under the wrong authority. So we place ourselves on the authority of people's opinions of us, people's approval of us. Not God anymore. We will place, we will give authority over to somebody who has said something awful to us in the past. And it still affects us today. Why is it still affecting you? If God has been God to you and you have trusted Christ and there's resurrection life in you, why is the battle still strong? This is why. Because we keep on going back to that, that thing saying, you really have authority over me. So whatever you say, what you said 25 years ago, I st I'm still under it. I'm covered by it. And it's become my identity. We give authority away to people. Give authority away, authority, away, authority away to success. And whatever we think will give us that success. We will give authority to what we will bring us the greatest comfort. We will give authority to what we think will give us the greatest control in our lives. We give authority away. Listen, God's the one that has authority over us. And I, I, I hope you hear me beat, and we're going to beat it again today. We're going to beat the drum of our identity in Christ. We are beating that drum. Why? It's so important to us. And we have to remember who we are in order to go back to the Spirit over and over and over again. We will give authority. Uh, we'll take the authority away from God and just give it to ourselves for a self-rule. I just want to make up the rules of my life. And I'm not going to inquire of the Lord. I'm not going to submit to Him. No one has authority over us except God, because of Jesus. No one has authority over us. Now, that's the, that's the faint spirit experience that we all identify with. And I just don't want that to feel like a, a list. We, we, we distance ourselves from the Lord, and then just chaos begins to ensue with a directionlessness and a disconnection. So how do we get to the Lord? And that's where I think David helps us in this psalm. We need to be living in and by 
the power of the Holy Spirit. And that first starts with our posture before God. The first, very first thing we see in this psalm in verses 1 and 2 is humility. David knows who he is. No one living is righteous before you. He knows who he is. He knows who God is. And that's the first place to start, being honest with himself and honest with who God is. Then he says, he comes to him with prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord, in verse 1. Very first words. I hope this helps you understand what prayer is. We oftentimes think prayer is just going through a list of needs and we're asking the Lord to address them. That's about this much of prayer. That's part of prayer. It's called intercession. It's, very, it's a crucial part of prayer. But prayer, remember when Jesus went and he cleared out the temple and he said, you've made my house, which is to be a house of prayer for all the nations, you've made it a den of robbers. What does that mean? The nations were to come and pray there. What was the temple? The temple was the place of God's presence on earth. So Jesus is saying, my house shall be the place that everybody on the earth can come and experience my presence. And with the Spirit being given on that day of Pentecost, his presence is not just in one location, it's now in everybody that calls on him for salvation. See what he did? So prayer is our experience of the presence of God in our everyday lives. So when the Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing, I think he's saying... Keep on experiencing God because you can and it'll be unceasing. It'll be great. It'll be uh, never-ending and all-encompassing. We will experience the Spirit's presence for eternity, but we get to experience it today and, and be settled. And look, when we do that, then intercession is the natural outflow. It's the supernatural outflow of having experienced the presence of God. We see that all over the scriptures, especially in Moses. He experienced the presence of God, seeing the glory of God face to face. And then in Numbers 14, he praised God's character right back to him to save and preserve a rebellious people. Moses got God in his presence and he interceded from that. We do that. It's that cycle that goes on and on. So our posture is humility. Our posture is the experience of God's presence in prayer. But our posture is also recalling God's faithfulness. Look at verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. We have a duty to recall God's faithfulness. But when we do that, here's what happens. It humbles us. We recognize that God has not drifted. We have drifted. He's still there and he's still sovereign and he's still good and he's still with us with the same river of flowing uh, love and mercy toward us. And so we're in the right posture. It reminds us of our position. And it's a, a position of righteousness that God has given us. But look, in verse 6, he, he says, I stretch out my hands to you. I stretch out to you. Why do we get to do that? If nobody is righteous, verse 2, no one living is righteous before you, how does he get to stretch out his hand? Because of his trust. See, even in the Old Testament, the people who trusted God were trusting him for a Messiah that would come. So they had a righteousness. Abraham was righteous by faith. God counted to him. Why? Because the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham because he knew that one of his descendants would be the final uh, the final sacrifice to do, all, uh, do away with all sacrifices. 
He had a position with God because of righteousness. So David is saying, I can take hold of you because you've already taken hold of me. That's my position before you. I have a righteousness that is mine by faith. And so we take hold of him. We take hold of him in his word. Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know why we have a tough time reading the Bible? Because it carves us up. And it lets us know that we're selfish, and we're proud, and we're unmerciful to people. We're ungrateful to God. The Bible is a very unique book. And you know what? Remember this quote for a very long time. T. Austin Sparks said, when we read the Bible, we're not interacting with words on a page. We're interacting with Jesus himself. But the, God, the, the Bible first condemns us. It wounds us. But God's promise is to heal us. Because he says, it's too, I'm too loving to you to let you stay in the strongholds. I'm too loving of you to let you stay in your rebellion. Even if it's just we think like little rebellion should be like okay rebellion. God says no because it keeps you from experiencing me and my presence. So we take hold of him through the word because the word, it pierces soul and of spirit. God wants to remove that faint, or heal a faint spirit with the power of his spirit. But first we have to have the intentions of our hearts. We have to be able to discern the intention of our hearts. But it's also a promise that God is treating us as his people. Uh, Hebrews 12, his sons and his daughters, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that, that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. See, the enemy of our souls wants to convince us that when, when God's disciplining us, it's because we're not his children. See, if God was loving to you, he wouldn't do this to you. God doesn't discipline that way. God says, no, it's how I get you to experience the fullness of my glory. It's how do I get you to experience me. And, and look, the, uh, oh, this is another topic. Try to figure out how to synthesize this. Because what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The greatest moment for a parent when disciplining your child is the reconciliation that happens after the discipline has been administered. Parents are never to, supposed to leave that discipline on that child. You go think now about what you've done. No. When there's been discipline and proper rod instruction, if there's been a spanking, I do think that's biblical and it needs to be done in love, not in anger. There's a big difference. Because your child, after that moment, needs to be able to look at you and express love because you're expressing love to your child. And that moment of reconciliation when that child knows that you're not holding that sin against him or her any longer, that's the greatest aspect of discipline. It's exactly what God brings to us. He brings that reconciliation so he reminds us. He kisses her on the cheek and he says, I love you. 
I had many times in uh, the disciplining of my children, I had to prompt them, say, I love you, they look at me. One in particular. And I have to say, say, I love you, Daddy. He would say, I love you, Daddy. But finally, I love you, Daddy. Of course, Kathy's just revealing who it is. I love you, Daddy. Everything went off. All the anger and the bitterness and the, I don't like what's happening right now. I think I'm right. I think you're wrong. All of it washed away. You saw it. The moment of reconciliation in that moment, the expression of love, that's the purpose of the discipline. It's exactly what God does for us. In verse 9, David says, Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. That word refuge there is, I have come to you to be covered. I have covered myself with you. This is a good concept for us. We, we need to take cover under God's righteousness over us that we have by faith because that righteousness and our position with him, that, that position is a covering and it's a good. So we have a posture before God, a position with God in order to have a pursuit of God. And I said this last week and that's why the Psalms are great because it's just a pursuit going in a pursuit, in a pursuit, in a pursuit. Oh, I forgot to say this. Back with uh, recalling God's faithfulness, you see the end of verse 6 with Selah? That's really important. And a lot of times we just read through this. That Selah is pause and really think about this. And so David just said, my soul thirsts for you like in a parched land. Rest. Think about how our souls thirst for him. And we are in a parched land all the time. We, we, until heaven, this is a parched land. But there's a pursuit and a thirst for God that he wants. Ephesians 5, 18, the Apostle Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That word, be filled, that little, it's one word in the original language. It says, keep on coming. Keep coming to the wellspring. Don't stop. Keep coming. It's not going to run dry. You're not, you're not being selfish by coming too much. Oh, no, 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 Isaiah 55, he who doesn't have money, come, buy. You thirsty? Come and drink. It's free. It's free. So we, we pursue him in our thirst, and we go to him, and we surrender to his loving rule and reign, not giving authority away, but knowing who God is and who we are in Christ who we are in God, hearing his steadfast love over us. Verse 8, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. That's the surrender. I, wanna, I don't want to try to figure out your love. I want to hear it. I want to experience it. And then the posture to yield and obey to God's will. Teach me to do your will and be led by your good spirit, God. There's, an, there's a desire for obedience. And fulfilling a mission. Verses 11 and 12, there's a trust in God's power to show up, to, to take care of the, the, mean, the major things. Not the menial things that we often uh, want him to, to get out of our way. And then we serve. To pursue God is to serve, to be about that mission. 
And look, this is about going after something bigger in our lives than we can manage or we can manipulate. It also, it shows up in being used by the Holy Spirit in categories that are beyond what you think you can do. So I, I would ask, ask for a new spiritual gifting, a new one. You don't have one, ask for it. And if you have a gifting, use it. Don't keep them dormant. Use it. But ask for something that's going to be beyond. Like Ask for words of knowledge for people. Ask for words of wisdom for folks. And God will show up. If you're available, he will show up in a situation and you will feel led Talk to that person right now about this. You're thinking, no way. Absolutely. That's the best spot to be in. Because now it's, it's beyond you. And you need the Spirit. You need. So if it's, Lord, I, I want to function more in evangelism. Holy Spirit, empower me to function in that. Be listening. He'll lead you. He'll lead you in those moments to share His love with the people that you're around. Even if you can't see their mouth and... I went to the bank the other day, and I'm thinking, this is the only time I get to walk into a bank with a face covering and not be arrested. Ask for a new gifting from the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's the thing. Be filled with the Spirit for our experience of His love and to, for empowerment for the mission. We plug ourselves in. Look, we remember Ezekiel 37, the river that's flowing from the temple, that it, the vision that Ezekiel saw, it was ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep. Those are all manageable things. Ezekiel needed to get to where it was above. It was, it was, above, it was deeper than he could stand into where he was carried along. It was, he couldn't manage it anymore. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So we're going we're gonna to do a little Selah moment as we close to really consider and think about the Lord. Think about the Spirit. I, I wonder if we just move too quickly through our lives and we don't rest and say, Lord, I want to experience you. So Mark and the band are just going to pray, uh, play for a little while while we pray. We experience the presence of God with us. And if that